0: Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer songwriter Todd Donald.
1: For this episode, I drove over to downtown Guelph on a very snowy January morning to see what the Making Box was all about and do an interview there. I actually got to try a little improv. And I was horrible, you'll get to hear it, and join my chat now with Haley Kellett, the Improv Incubator Director at The Making Box. <laughs> I'm usually at home in K-Dub, inviting strangers over to my girlfriend and I's apartment, which is frightening for, for who more, right? So here is Guelph today, and I'm in The Making Box in Guelph, uh, also in Guelph say guelph with Haley kellett from the making box tell me what this means but you are the improv incubator director
2: yes uh so what that means is and that's the short form that's the the shortest yeah the list of my job is actually like 80 pages long right when you when you are a cone over a comedy theater but the improv incubator director that means that i run our our training center so our incubator classes where you would come and learn how to improvise right that's all under my umbrella
1: that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the outsider, to me I like I get that. I I might be truthful or not depending on what it is <laughs> on how much I do understand. I
2: might lie to you. We'll see.
1: <laughs> I like talking shop. For sure. It's like yeah, I get science. <laughs> I find it neat. I don't mm-hmm. get it really. We we're just talking about like making friends with failing, with bombing, with falling oh. on your ass on stage, which is yes. with which is one of the things most important to to an improviser's arsenal, as well as in life. Now, describe for me, for to make me happy. Yes. This might make you cry.
2: <laughs> no, I love it. I'm ready.
1: What was your worst?
2: Oh, my worst? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love this question. <laughs> I've had lots of terrible shows. I mean, like, uh, I've been improvising since I was 14. So, like, ask anybody that's seen me. I'm sure they can tell you, like, a weird moment that I've had on stage. But one... Um, one big one was probably I was uh, I worked at Second City for a really long time, mm-hmm. and I was uh, doing an improv set uh, on the main stage, and I had completely lost my voice, and so I was trying to move forward without any kind of dialogue, right. and I ended up in like this weird wiggly kind of worm scene that didn't make sense, didn't make anybody laugh. It lasted for like eight minutes, uh, and it was. Just like mind numbingly hard to continue to go through because I couldn't justify anything with words. Uh, And everybody in the cast found it very funny that I was doing this weird thing uh, and just watched it happen. And there was another time where I laughed really hard and I peed on stage. Nice. Yeah
1: somebody's going to pee tonight, yep. even if it's going to be me. Oh, yeah.
2: It was. It was me. <laughs> it was me one time.
1: That's awesome. My, If you have like a little bit of a voice, you can just like do something that makes no sense. Oh, yeah. And, and look at the audience and go, eh?
2: Yeah, just something. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wish I, that I could do the same thing with the podcast mm-hmm. or at least try.
2: You can do it. You just like laugh at your own mistakes, acknowledge them and move forward. And then everyone yeah. thinks you're very charming and, and you're on the same page.
1: I still got to work on the straight face thing. I think people like Brian Stack, I don't know if it comes from the Groundlings or Second City. Mm-hmm. Is, w- w- Both it, awesome places. Is the making box sort of parallel to what they do or is it its own thing?
2: Um, I'm going to say it's its own thing, but we get a, a lot of like improv r- roots. Like Second City's been around for over 50 years and, and the Groundlings are really awesome and, and the Upright Citizens Brigade with Amy Poehler right. and, and Matt Bezler, like, we love them. Uh, so there's a lot of lessons when you look back on improv history that have influenced the making box, like Keith Johnstone and uh, Violas Bullen. And um, we kind of take all of these lessons that we've learned over, like Jay, Jay Reed, my my business partner, um, who's also been improvising for like 14 years, uh, take all of this stuff and we brought it together to communicate what we think is really important with improv. I think the main difference between us and a place like Second City is our approach to improv is not necessarily about creating Performers and comedians. Right. Our goal is to make open, happy, and connected people. So whether you're coming to class to be a better performer or you're coming to class to work on public speaking because you have to defend your thesis in two months, (laughs) we have all kinds of students coming here to learn that style. So it's more like let's try this on stage for fun, and then let's see how we can apply this off stage in our real lives.
1: Yeah. I. I, If if, let's go to a serious place right now. Let's take it down. Ready. One of the (laughs) so serious. One of the things that pissed me off about me or about the aspect of humanity in general that will not do something for fear of failure. Mm. And if you do something, whether it's good or not, you're, you've are you done a million more percent than the person who's trying to do something perfectly. Yes. So and I, I kind of assume that improv can help someone who needs to inspire a group of tech students to yeah. succeed or employees to make him more money, you know? Hugely, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, it all translates, probably.
2: Definitely. I mean, all we're asking people to do in our classes is listen, connect, and respond. No yeah. Nowhere in that definition is funny. That definition actually just dictates really good conversation and, right. and life skills. So we actually do a lot of work in the corporate world helping with training. So like, I'm certain you've had a job where you're like, I can't talk to my boss because they don't listen to me, or you're just frustrated. So mm. a lot of these skills, to work on listening better, but also really not letting perfection stop you from making progress. Which, like, I feel like you said almost verbatim thirty seconds ago. Just fail, laugh, move on, let it teach you something to rocket you forward. It's not gonna. It shouldn't stop you if you get something wrong. Right. Progress, not perfection. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Speaking of some of the graduates, I was talking about like how how I I really dig the mischievous straight faced mm-hmm. per- deliverer, not the person who like will acknowledge that it didn't get a laugh and move on. Like, he might stutter for a second. Yeah. But he remains, like, eyes locked on the camera on you when he's doing his bits. Brian Stack worked on Conan O'Brien. He works with Colbert now. And he, right. he was in, I think, Second City with, mm-hmm. um, with Conan and with uh, Farley.
2: Well, I'll check him out, because I love seeing, like, unique and fun characters. And there's so many incredible, talented people that came from, like, that era yeah. of time. It's the mm. offbeat,
1: weird ones that really get me. How, is, yeah, what grabs you from from someone improv or not? Who oh that...
2: yeah, I love the offbeat weirdos. That's such a great descriptive term for those that style of people that I will absolutely include myself in. Uh, and it's just like for seeing somebody that is like self describing as bizarre. Right. Um, like I remember that experience of not really figuring out like where I fit in or how to fit in because I was also very stubborn and wanted to like, this is my aesthetic and this is who I am and
0: yeah.
2: uh, finding an improv class and letting letting go of some of this pressure of judgment because everyone in the room was also just the most bizarre version of themselves yeah. So it was very freeing and really the first time I got to experience being genuinely authentic without worrying I was gonna bug somebody or that I was going to like annoy someone or not get along with somebody because of who I was, right? And so seeing those like big weirdos shine and like explode with authenticity and joy is the best. Yeah. Like uh, I I got to teach an improv workshop in I want to say Grimsby, but don't hold me to it. Uh, but the drama teacher I was working with had taught um, oh my gosh, not Chris, not Kirsten Wig, but she was like she was. One of the SNL's female Ghostbuster, uh, hilarious. Oh my gosh. Kate McKinnon? Yes, Kate McKinnon. Uh, amazing. Yeah. So she had taught her in an elementary school.
1: Nice.
2: And was describing her as a kid, being like, there was I met her and she was the strangest person I'd ever met. Yeah. Uh, and as her teacher, I was worried. And then seeing that person leaning into that like beautiful strangeness and yeah. being celebrated globally is is the reason I love Improv, and the reason I love comedy, and the reason I love those people, because in a lot of other career paths, they're not celebrated. Yeah. And this is one where we that those are the people we lift up because they guide us to try new and strange things.
1: There must be sort of like a taboo kind of thing where in the darker ages, I don't know anything about history.
2: That's okay. The person (laughs) who
1: stood out was like a witch or a demon. Oh my gosh! You know what I mean? So anyone who wasn't like a uniform citizen of the the Roman poor or the
2: Any community ever, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. The weirdos are the are the ones who are like to to be feared or hated. Yeah, and I
2: <laughs> know. I would have been burned as a witch if that was the time that I would was alive. Yeah.
1: When it comes to entertainment, we we under most people undervalue the fact that like the reason that you're enjoying this so much is because these are people who are different.
2: These yeah, are, and there's a lot of like to be very frank. There's a there's a lot of hardship or, or around guilt. that too. Yeah. Frank or Jill, like, or Sam? <laughs>
0: why? Why was Frank? I'll be
2: Kenneth. <laughs> to be Kenneth. I'm uh, Frank. I'm. I'm. I'm o-
1: very open about things. Yeah. Uh, I like Frank.
2: I do. Sorry. Keep going. That's fine. Uh, there's. There's. I struggle a lot with that concept too. Um, this is why I really loved the comedy special Nanette. And if you haven't seen that, I strongly recommend you watch it. And before you do, like, know that it is a heavy-hitting and unique comedy special.
1: Right.
2: Um, All right, and well, thanks
1: for stopping and watching that. We're back. Yes, thank <laughs> you.
2: Yeah. Uh, and so it's the idea of talking about because we're different, we're good at comedy, because a lot of it comes from like the defense mechanism of I'm going to diffuse this tension by making people laugh. And so a lot of stand-ups and a lot of improvisers and a lot of people working in comedy use their differences as a way to like, self-deprecate and make people laugh. Like, isn't this funny that I'm different than you? Yeah. And, and bring you in? You have to put yourself down first to get people on your team. And so I'm excited to see us moving away from that a little bit, but this idea of, like, in the past, people would be reprimanded for being different or other. Yeah. Uh, and now we we celebrate these comedians and we lift them up and we love their craft, but as people, we're not, like, acknowledging that. We're still celebrating and, and maybe Pulling that they're important because of the difference. Right. Uh, and so like you think about someone like Robin Williams, who was phenomenal and wonderful. And a lot of a lot of comics I know suffer with depression and don't talk about it right. because they're supposed to be funny all the time. And I'm I'm glad to see us pulling away from that. But I think it stems from like Burn the Witch. Right. And we just bring it forward.
1: And speaking of like, like evolving as a human being and and, and Mm. using, using falls and failures uh, as uh, reshaping them in your mind as, as being, it's like an exquisite enjoyment. But you, but you, you also, you learn from it. Yeah. Eliminating things that don't work, but also
2: strength. Yeah. It's, it's trial and error in a, in a really low stakes situation in improv specifically. Yeah. Like you get to, I always bring like my truth and my real life situations on stage with me. Yeah. One, because the audience doesn't know it's true. They have no idea. So yeah. if I'm talking about something, they're like, oh, cool, what a specific thing that you're talking about. It's like, that's just my day today. Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't work, on imp- they know you're making it up and it's a one-time experience. And if you fail once, worst case scenario, they laugh. Or you have a silent room and you go... Okay, and yeah. someone edits, and you start something new. Yeah. Uh, so that failure lasts like fifteen seconds, and like, and in the beginning, like before the show, like I remember being like, "Oh, if I if I screw this up, I am going to suffer and just like bleed from my eyes in the green yeah. room as I cry about this terrible show." But then it happens, you fail, and you don't die. <laughs> yeah and it's fine, and so like I know I'm, I love it now like uh, any of those those moments of failure you were mentioning that like stone face kind of um, wink to the audience when someone stares at the camera now it's like, oh this isn't going well. you look at the audience I know we're I'm in the same room as you I agree yeah. let's try something new uh, now I really enjoy it and it's carried forward in a lot of other ways like if I don't like i'm a, I'm apartment hunting right now and if I don't get a place that I want now, it's like okay, cool. That means there's something different for me to do, yeah. rather than oh no, and stewing on not getting the having it go perfectly. Yeah. It's letting me try different things and experiment in different ways, and not freak out as much. And um, I see it in students that uh, have like are, are maybe stubborn or have uh, social anxieties that limit them, and they really get wrapped up in failure. And when they realize that you can just laugh and move on. Yeah. And if you can bring that forward in any other way, it's really transformed a lot of people. Right. And I am i love getting those little phone calls or texts and then I'd be like, my life is different, thank you. And then they hang up and I cry and it's wonderful.
1: <laughs> I'm kind of a superhero. I, uh, <laughs> people People say you're like Jesus, but I'm like, that's not for me to say, that's for you to say. Uh, I do
2: legitimately have a jacket that the University of Guelph gave me that says Community Hero on the back of it. That's cool. So... If I'm feeling incredibly overconfident, I will wear it and walk around.
1: I mean, people share on the making box Instagram, like how just the impact that it had on Mm -hmm. them. And also like the, the community that they're in either temporarily or Mm -hmm. in, in whatever way for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, yeah, like fucking sign me up. But at the same, at the same time, like it goes to show not only what you can do and what, what you do here. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being, being the whole team. Right. Um, Wait no, was the sentence over? <laughs> I don't care.
2: But well, yeah, like it's. Uh, I love like browsing that because the thing is like we're not asking for anyone to tell us that everyone. And I like I remember being an improv student. I was always compelled to like go to my teachers and say thank you.
1: But this time around, you were like read the script. No.
2: I'm <laughs> oh my gosh! No! 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 <laughs> no way! <laughs> no scripts forbidden. <laughs> but like I remember that feeling of community of finally feeling like I fit in, and so seeing all these. Beautiful weirdos come together is great. Like, there's a reason our tagline is You're a weirdo, so are we. And we're all about finding community. So, when someone shows up and they're like, Finally, me as uh, a pole dancing, uh, like, life coach slash artisan. I can meet people that I identify with right. uh, and even if that person is like a fish scientist because they both feel the same way in the same room, they get to try and explore together. It's yeah. it's the best. I love it. <laughs> I'm just imagining
1: like an infomercial with a guy going like, hey, is, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> guy or girl on stage going, yep. what's the deal with it? sidewalks? And no one laughs and I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs>
2: The making box. Yeah. No explanation. There's got to be a better way. (laughs) And then I show up just like dressed like the woman from the progressive commercials be like, try this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like judo. It's like, it it is kind of like a a, a way that you walk. It's Guelph, for example. Mm Mm-hmm is a place where in my dating days a lot of the people that wanted to meet me on Tinder and Puff were from Guelph and they all went bad like either either I was uninterested or they were uninterested in be- Tinder <laughs> and it became very robotic of course the yeah. person on the other end is not a real human being even though be nicer to each other out there if you're still in the in the game just be nice yes. we're all human beings and dating is because you're so emotionally invested in wanting to be happy and make someone happy that like the biggest stakes, baby, are in in, in trying to find a a person who likes you that you like and want to be around and every time you fail can feel like the end of the world and you want to lose the fear Mm -hmm. but still be able to like have a heart that love someone, yeah. All those horrible date stories become great material. Oh yes. As well as
2: so many routines about bad dates that I've been
1: on. Imagine you could just improvise a whole date.
2: Oh for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: almost pretended I was Scottish.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It didn't go well. Mm. Well if the
2: date wasn't going well already, why not be Scottish and then move on?
1: At least I was Scottish. Yeah.
2: Something I am Scottish. Me too. Nice. Yeah, my dad played in a bagpipe in a piper band that toured all over the world. Uh, he played the snare drum. They used to play "Rowdy Rowdy Piper" into the ring. Nice. Very Scottish.
1: I ate a little bit of haggis once. Ooh, was it gross? No, it was quite delicious.
2: Oh, good. Uh, so so I'll, pull, I'll pull back to that dating thing before I keep talking about haggis. Um, right. But yeah, like I, I, I remember dating in Guelph. I definitely did the Tinder thing here. And the like dating is like ninety-nine point nine percent rejection and and heartbreak.
1: Yeah. It's like adventure, yeah. Yeah but in like
2: a swamp. Yeah. The swamp of sadness from the never ending story. Yeah. Like if you don't focus, you will be sucked in. <laughs> True. Absolutely. True. So this idea of of embracing failure is like even if you're the best improviser in the world and you're so good at embracing failure uh, on and off stage, just in in general, rejection still sucks, heartbreak still hurts, uh, it's still garbage. But your uh, resilience gets stronger. I'm I'm really uh, on the school of every time your heart breaks, it's just like building that muscle to get you stronger. Yeah. So the more you experience failure, and rejection, I had it. exactly. Sorry. Or Kelly Clarkson, whatever. Yeah. Whatever kills you makes you stronger. Yeah, but the more you experience it and the more you uh, acknowledge and accept that it's a thing that happens and just not dwell and stew in it and move on. It's obviously easier said than done. But if you can practice that in a small way of like, let's play this this fun low stakes improv game yeah. to build that muscle up. It's like starting weight training. Like you start really small before you right. bench 50. Fifty pounds still isn't a lot. I'm so sorry. I don't know what muscles do. I have none. Yeah. Yeah. All my favorite comedians are like beautifully imperfect and make mistakes in their in their like recorded sets that you see on on TV. Like I love those little mistakes where they go, "Well, that didn't work," and we move on. We all yeah. laugh together. Uh, it's like, come with me as I fail. Like, join me yeah. on this trail. It's so so satisfying. Like, um, uh, I went to go see uh, Paul F. Tompkins. And he's so, so funny and just so charismatic and really knows how to listen to the audience. And so when he makes a misstep, it really does feel like we're taking that step with him. And that misstep is like a blip that turns into the best part of the show. Right? Yeah, it's the best, I love it.
1: There have been times when I've seen stand-up comedy with with comedians that get mad at you for not laughing at them. Yep, and does
2: that ever work? Oh oh yeah. like. Yeah, screw you, audience! <laughs> no, no, come that's, on. That's
1: that's when we we invented the heckle. We want our money back for sure. Mm. <laughs> like, don't don't be like that person. Yeah, Hamilton comedians, some of them. <laughs> well, there's some of them everywhere, but I saw these ones in Hamilton.
2: Fair. But, the Hamilton scene is really growing in a cool way. A lot of them will come out here and do sets at the making box, which is nice. is cool to see. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was looking forward to this. Well, for for, for for the interview's sake and mm. uh, you were nice to talk to on the phone. and um, But one thing that I was like kind of like sneakily maybe hoping for it oh, was yes. not necessarily for, for you to give me free lesson, like a free what you do here. Oh, yeah. But one particular thing that I have to try and ask at least. Of is, course. What are some things that one could do to get themselves in the best headspace for that creative part?
2: For sure. Yeah. Well, also, I'll, I'll dial back, uh, so as an improviser, all you need to do is listen, connect, and respond. So the best thing you can do to get into a, an, a creative headspace is just be willing to let your ideas go. So just this this idea what I, what I talk about in class a lot is most of your job is just being ready. It's not to add information, it's not to be funny, It's not to even say anything. It's to be on stage, ready right. to take information in and then react to it. So if you have any preconceived ideas or you've got a plan, i be like, this is how I think it's going to go. The best thing you can do is put those things aside and just listen. Yeah. So you can build in really small ways. Uh, like uh, one one thing that we, we always talk about is um, like listening to understand rather than listening to respond. So yeah. there's there's a game that we can play if you Since. want. Um, it's called First Letter, Last Letter. And it, it just really hones in on that skill so we can be that more open and we can get out of our heads and focus on our partner. So if we're talking, the last letter of your sentence would be the first letter of mine. And then that's how I would start my sentence to you. Nice. And then my last letter would be yours. And we'd go back and forth like that. So it's never a perfect conversation in the beginning, but it's all about hearing the whole statement. And then so you can absorb it and then respond, because I'm really guilty, and I know I'm not alone, of like, ooh, you're talking about this? I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to wait for a gap in the conversation so I can talk about my cool cats.
1: I, I've been a terrible yeah. interviewer for 11 years, so if I could start getting good now, that wouldn't
2: hurt. Play this game. <laughs> Play it in secret on the podcast, just like listen for the letters and then move <laughs> forward. Um, oh, we were talking about dating before, like terrible bad dates, so let's let that inspire this part of this game. So uh, why don't you say the first thing to me, and then I'll respond to you.
1: Does the conversation have to make sense?
2: Not necessarily. Don't worry about it. Just listen for that last letter. So this might be the weirdest conversation your podcast has ever heard.
1: Okay, we'll start now. Okay. (laughs) Is it calling for more snow?
2: Well, I certainly hope not because I am on the outside of town and it makes it hard to get to work.
1: Cracker, please. I think (laughs) (laughs) you can't really predict the weather ever, but like, I guess you just have to prepare when you're leaving where you are now.
2: Wonderfully said. Yes, this is exactly how it works. I know it's like weird in the conversation, But what it's doing, it's it's hard too, right? Like I the podcasters don't get the benefit of watching your face while you're playing this. And I get to see your face. Where like you you are connecting with me, like we're making eye contact when I'm talking and you're hearing everything I'm saying. And then you have to take that letter, how do I say what I want to say starting with that? Because I you have to be genuinely spontaneous. Which yeah. is kind of dangerous.
1: Well, I could have looked for the perfect letter starting with K that yeah. is at the beginning of a sentence. But something I'm proud of here is that I just I I went with the first idea I had whether it was yeah. good or not.
2: Exactly. And you
1: keep going. Yeah. Now I wasn't good at that, but
2: <laughs> That's okay. I didn't I
1: didn't just go, Oh, I can't do it. I exactly.
2: Suck. No one is amazing at anything when they start it. And the thing that is important to me is that you try it before you deny it. Uh, Quote Frank McAnulty. Uh, and, uh, also my favorite pickup line, so yeah, try it before you deny it. Like, it's just about trying it and finding that moment of connection. the more you practice, the easier it gets. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, don't look for the perfect word, especially if, since I gave you the letter K, like that's a hard one, just make the sound and see what comes out. And if it's cracker, please, as you said, (laughs) which is ridiculous, then, uh, then fine. There's no, there's no. Mistakes in improv. Mistakes just lead to new information.
1: Yeah, they're, 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 there's a bit of adrenaline that goes off and like a, a high that comes from running with it. Mm-hmm. Not knowing if you're going to succeed or not.
2: Yeah, it's been described to me like running along a tightrope. Yeah. Just run <laughs> and look towards the end and just do it and like follow that fear. And yeah. then, like, I mean, I think about watching a performer doing that and it would also be exciting to watch them fall into the net. Yeah. Right. So even the failure is fun to be part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I got a Huawei. I don't know why. I'll, perhaps I'll buy. Um, <laughs> and You did
2: promise one lie at least.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn. What was the thing I was. Oh yeah. They have a novelty item that you could buy today. At most cell phone carriers, that's purposely vintage. It does a certain amount of things. It has obviously going to be the lowest rates of anything yeah. because it, it exists as a novelty, as a throwback. What? And I, I, I still look at them being like, that's the closest thing that we have to, to William Shatner's fucking Star Trek.
2: Fan. Oh, the gun? Yeah. You yeah. flip
1: it open. It's got it.
2: That would be great. I yeah. would use a cell phone like that, though, yeah. mostly for the novelty. I envy, you said it was your dad that refuses to have a cell phone? Yeah. I am genuinely jealous. Uh, if I didn't have to have a phone for for work and to communicate with just like uh, students, I, I don't think I'd even have one. If I could live in the woods mm-hmm. uh, without any technology and sustain a, a positive and healthy life, I would never use a phone or a computer yeah. or a television. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, they're overrated. So thanks for listening to this podcast on the internet, which uh, we're available (laughs) on Facebook and Instagram. Uh,
2: We love-hate you, internet. It's a (laughs) love-hate relationship. For the rest of our lives. Yes. I'm curious what it's going to be like in even five years.
1: Oh, it's just going to get worse. It's going to get
2: worse and weirder and stranger and more complicated and potentially more dangerous for anybody that doesn't share a scary opinion. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it really is this battle between intellectual people and people who are like, "You think you're so smart? We won." Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just
2: battlers sometimes, just people who want to have the final word. Yeah, yeah. I watch a lot of RuPaul, so uh, one <laughs> thing that always comes to mind is uh, something that they say all the time on on RuPaul's Drag Race, my favorite show, <laughs> uh, is like uh, other people's opinions on you don't matter. Yeah. It doesn't impact you. So learning to not pay attention to it, easier said than done. But if someone wants to have the last word, it doesn't mean that they have the best thing to say. They just want to get it in there. But it doesn't mean that I don't look at that Gillette ad on YouTube and just, like, angry cry as I read the comments, (laughs) trying to avoid... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is, I guess, I love this about improv is because it's a one-time thing. Like whatever you're yeah. seeing, that is the opening night and the closing night of that show. Yeah. So if someone's commenting on it, it's not going to apply for the next thing. <laughs> so there's there's no there's not a lot of negative garbage comment threads that exist in this world. Because yeah. even if they have something to say, we're like, great, come back next time. It'll be a different show. You'll yeah. have a different experience.
1: And there's there's no exact recipe, and that's what mm-hmm. I feel. I feel like there's like sort of a hey,
2: hello, Emma, come on in. Mm-hmm.
1: So someone just ruined the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is one of our improv instructors, Emma. We've got a youth class that is starting at eleven, and potentially students will start getting here in about ten minutes.
1: Okay. One of the things I hate about the internet turning us or wanting us all to become robots mm-hmm. is. Is or, or algorithms so they can
2: upload themselves into our brains, and we're yeah. all just one giant internet.
1: None of us really have any money, but they want to take it, and mm. it's the, the they're going to use the internet. And people think you can become Bill Murray in mm-hmm. five easy steps, yeah. but the improv is is something different and special that yeah, that there is no recipe.
2: There's no you, recipe, and everyone can do it, and everyone can be successful. Especially from my perspective, like I, I use improv as a tool to help like supplement my life, uh, and I love performing the improv style. But uh, like I'm I'm not looking to build like I said communities. It's open, happy, connected, so right. everyone can can access this right. and do it and feel confident, and feel good, and then when they build that up your creativity shines even more. Because I am I believe that everyone is creative. We just have different ways. I think some people are more visibly creative. Like, it right. shines through a little bit more, obviously. Or, like, some people are creative, like, with I equations I, and math. And I, I know what you're saying. Creative, I've,
1: brilliant, and creative yeah. as creative. Yeah.
2: Some people are genuine geniuses. Right. And it's just, like, Kate McKinnon. Just yeah. Like, when I heard those stories about her in elementary school, it's like, I already know. I already know that you're going to be phenomenal. Uh, and that you already are phenomenal. Yeah. And just having someone support that and bring it up is so, so cool. So uh, yeah, some people, if you, you there's no get rich quick scheme to being famous or, or talented in any yeah. way. But the thing for me that I always want is work ethic. Yeah. If you have a sh- like a hair of ability and like a full wig of work ethic, you're okay. gonna get work and you're gonna be fine every time. The people that I wanna work with and the people that I see doing well, in show business are hustling they are working hard Uh, and if they've got talent to go with it awesome but some people it's you put in that work you learn you will get to where you want to go yeah there's a lot of really beautifully talented people that don't have that and they it's true kind of fade down because they're not ready to push themselves to the next step we lose a lot of really magical talent yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Even and I and I hate to think this, but even Stanley Kubrick had to spend a number of years working on projects where he wasn't in full control.
2: Oh, before uh, like I opened the, the making boxes five years old, and 12, I know we're little little babies. <laughs> before that, I was at Second City for almost ten years, uh, and I started my first class when I was fourteen. They hired me when I was eighteen, um, but that was I did four years of volunteering, and then even when I was eighteen, I was a teaching assistant. And I did that for two years before they let me even learn how to leave my own classroom independently. Mm-hmm. And then even then it was like, great, you have this one class, you're gonna teach this class before we even think about opening it up even more. Right. And without constantly like, I want to do more, give me more opportunities and like pushing that story forward. You, you do a lot of work in the design of someone else before you get to do it your own way. And uh, I mean, like Stanley Kubrick is probably better off for having to like l- learn how to collaborate first before you get your own voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna pretend like you you were horribly uh, pensive about uh, doing this interview, and and uh, for good reason it, it was it went horribly. And <laughs> at the yeah. end of it, we our only saving grace is by uh, perhaps both. Um, Uh, telling people where they can find out about upcoming events maybe some major things coming up in the spring Mm -hmm. for The Making Box here in Guelph and and as well as in Kdub Kitchener-Waterloo
2: Absolutely so uh, if you want to get involved with improv or comedy uh, you can go to www.themakingbox.ca to learn about classes and upcoming shows that happen in Guelph and in Kitchener Uh, and uh, also if anyone wants to try this I wanted to mention there is uh, two shows that you can come and be on stage an experiment we have a show called First Timers. So anyone that wants to do stand-up comedy for the first time, it's a show of everybody doing it for the first time. So it's super, super fun. And then we also have an improv jam. And that happens once a month. Uh, and you can come out, we teach you the improv games in the moment, you get up on stage and it's a total blast. So if you wanna try that, uh, the website will have all those details. Uh, and also um, in in Guelph, there's a wonderful theater company called the Downtown Theater Project that I wanna let everybody know about. Uh, I'm in their, their next upcoming play that's happening in March. Uh, called uh, Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. It's awesome. It's, it's uh, exactly what you think. It's, it's <laughs> so, it's, you have no idea what you're walking into with that show. It's phenomenal. And they are uh, a local, fiercely local theater company and they do their shows at The Making Box. So if you wanna come and see some local theater, that's great. Yeah. Um, and then on top of all of that, to foster more comedy community, I sit on the board for the Guelph Comedy Festival. And that happens in late October. It is a weekend long festival featuring stand up, improv and sketch comedy. And it's gotten better and better every single year. So come and join us. I think this will be our eighth, ninth year running the festival. Oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So these are these are the ways you can come and get involved in Guelph and in Kitchener.
1: What would it be like if not like not just one but five lesbian how do they eat quiche like you have to wonder and it's a it's
2: a full show just about that right. <laughs> no, no 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 there's it's set in 1956 uh, it's about the, the cold war that is all i will say okay cuz i want people to come see it it's very funny and there is lots of quiche
1: now i'm hungry i am ready to fail i'm am, i'm am, i'm am ready all right, to let's do, do it. poorly i i i've listened to improv it doesn't mean i can do it
2: it does. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You'll just get. We'll see what this first scene is like. Yeah. Uh, you is got this. I'm gonna give you two pieces of advice before we jump in. Listening always important, and then the improviser's mantra of yes and, accepting someone's idea and then adding a little bit of detail, and that's all you need to know. Right. Cool. All right. So we always start by getting a suggestion. So for me, um, I'm still thinking about bad dates. So where where was a location where you had like a real shit date? The
1: bread bar. Is the, that what it's called? The bread bar. Are I know they, the bread were bar. Where they, they stone cooked pizza. Yes. And it's overpriced. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
2: So let's let overpriced pizza inspire us. Uh, that will be the inspiration for this this scene. Okay. Okay. Uh, hi. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's been 45 minutes. This pizza is is late for delivery.
1: Well, I, uh, yes. Yes. And we're working on it, uh, but uh, f- we're understaffed and, and, and you'll just have to wait a little bit longer. Oh, of course.
2: I didn't realize you were understaffed. You know, I'm, I'm looking for work. Do you need, a, do you need someone with, with my kind of experience? What
1: experience do you have?
2: Well, um, I mean, I, I've been making my own dough from scratch since I was just a wee baby. My, my father is a professional pizza cook and uh, my mom is a pepperoni.
1: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Are wait are you are you are you telling me that I'm talking to Sophia H. Breadbar? B- Sophia H.
2: Breadbar, that's me. Yes, that's
1: amazing. Mm-hmm. You've you've finally come back to. Uh, you want you want to be a part of the business again? That's I'm ready. Fantastic. Don't
2: tell anyone that I'm back. I haven't let anyone know that I'm back in town yet. Right. So okay. if I work for you, we're gonna need to establish a disguise.
1: First of all, let's let's get you be behind here. I mean, are you are you available right now? We can absolutely.
2: I've got nowhere to be. Let's do this.
1: Okay. Uh, well, for starters, uh, let's get this disguise on you. What what do you think would be?
2: Oh well, I mean, I much, love. I love what you're wearing. Do you want to swap outfits? You can wear my uh, a-line dress with a pinafore, and I can put on your your three-piece suit and sauced-up apron. Okay. Let's. All right. Let's,
1: how shall we? audibly present. Perfect. I did not know I could do that that fast. That's fantastic.
2: It's all that pizza, the tossing the pizza in the air skills. You've got muscle memory for (laughs) quick transitions.
1: And I don't know why water was involved, but it was, it was, I feel clean and Mm -hmm. we're ready to, to, to get back to work here. Absolutely. I totally forgot. Did you still want that pizza?
2: Let's make one together.
1: By the way, I, um, I lied. My name,
0: what was my name before? It
1: was not Phil. It was actually Dunlop H Dunlop Bread H. Bar. Bread Bar? I'm your brother.
2: Holy fuck.
1: Now let's make that pizza.
2: Nice, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I uh, love that you literally said yes, Sam. That was perfect. <laughs> Thanks so much, Todd.
1: Final word of wisdom from Final word of wisdom. the making box. It's all on your shoulder. The whole business is riding on how good the advice you give is.
2: Awesome. One thing I always like to say is that laughter is a shared experience that creates strong bonds. So when we come together in the spirit of play, looking for laughter as a community, then we make strong friendships uh, and strong relationships across the board. So let's laugh together.
1: Please be sure to follow... Um, Uh,
2: do you want all the socials? (laughs) uh,
1: I can. Yeah. Sarah, Can you?
2: No problem. So you can find us on Facebook. If you just look for the making box, you can like us there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. If you look for at the making box and on Instagram, it's at the making box co.
1: Nice. See, you're, you're really good. So what you're listening to, if, if, if Haley sent you over to this, to this podcast, thank you for listening. And, um, Keep on um, doing the thing that you do.
2: Keep on doing the thing you do.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music and the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at ToddDonaldShow on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends.